0: For those of you who are a little new to spark i 'm pastor danielle and i 'm one of the pastors here and we have a very deep bench here for the teaching team at spark and as teachers at spark we 've been meeting we 're hoping to meet even more regularly now that we 're finding our new post we 're totally post pandemic right our next stage of the pandemic rhythm um, and so our conversation today um, started because we were sitting and studying Mark, uh, John together. Not Mark. That's happened before, too. Um, and after that, I said, you know, I just wish all of Spark could hear this type of conversation that goes on between these different teachers and perspectives so we said well let's just do that so even though there's only four of us up here right now um, that was really just because we love you and we decided not to make all that you listen to all of us pontificate on mark but the I think that the conversation it's fair to say represents also the inclusion and ra- remarks from Tom and Mark and and Kevin and all of the all of the ways in which we've been wrestling with text for a while together here So we are starting a new series, which we've been saying for a couple weeks now, as we did Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Um, And we're going to start it this Sunday. And then next Sunday, we're going to take a break. (laughs) and We'll start it again. So I'll keep saying we're going to start a new series for at least two more Sundays. Um, Next Sunday, Rabbi Chaim Korinsky, who is the rabbi here at Eitz Chaim, is going to come and just talk and share whatever's on his heart. And that's just a privilege to be able to sort of pulpit share or bema share together um, in those different contexts. And we're really excited he can come. But today we wanted to start introducing you all to the Gospel of John and really to the radical love of Jesus on display in the Gospel of John. Um, And as we go through that, then we are going to open up with the scripture that we're going to be studying today and kind of focusing in on. But for those of you who've read John before, which might be many of you, or if you've never read it, there's a lot to uncover and we're going to just Would you say like have a taste, like the smallest little taste? So what I'd like to tell you is that if you own a Bible, like an actual, you know, it's it's a book, it opens like this, Um, you can bring it with you, I know, to church. People will think you're really into Jesus, and that's okay. But you can be one of those Christians that bring your Bible to church. And the only reason why I recommend it is because we're actually going to try to dig in pretty deep um, as we sort of also skim because otherwise we'd be here for years till jesus comes we could be here in the gospel of john till jesus comes but you can take notes ask questions and wrestle because as a team we're also going to try to provide for you all opportunities to jump into some study with us or reflections with us once or twice a month we're still figuring out the logistics but to just sort of invite wrestling and i think we're all doing a lot of that anyway And it's best to do it in community rather than all by yourself and feel like, am I the only one asking these questions or curious or struggling with some of Jesus's teachings or whatever it might be? Okay, so we're going to be doing all of that. And as we jump in, then we're going to start in the beginning. And um, Omer, would you read our our little bit that we're working on today?
1: Sure, let's start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. That's from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Given that opening verse and text, I wanted to. We were kind of reflecting on what were our first impressions when we first recall reading John. And I think various persons of us, like here on the team, we all had different experiences. So, Omer, we're going to start with you first.
1: Yeah, the Gospel of John was actually the first book of the New Testament that I ever read. And I read it when I was 17 years old. For those of you who don't know, I think some of you do. uh, I grew up as a Muslim uh, in in America, and um, what what I loved about being able to jump into the Gospel of John as the first part of the New Testament was uh, from the outset, uh, the way it characterizes Jesus is very different. From, uh, um, from a lot of other traditions or just a lot of um, a lot of people, like lay people's ideas on who Jesus is. Um, I was coming from a perspective uh, that not just many Muslims have, but a lot of people in general have, where you can be on board, p- perhaps, with the idea that Jesus was a great guy. He was very righteous. He taught some really interesting, cool things. A sage for the ages. But uh, the Gospel of John, uh, affirms all of that and also starts with a, a, a seemingly divine backstory and origin for Jesus. So you're immediately confronted with, okay, this is a conceptualization of Jesus thats that you're going to have to grapple with uh, and it'll, it'll hit you hard. And I wanted that. I wanted to get to the core of what it was different from the way I had always thought about Jesus and what the New Testament writers were offering.
2: I think there are actually a number of parallels between our stories in terms of the impact John had. I think for me, though, my experience reading John for the first time is best summed up by this gif of Alexis from Schitt's Creek saying, I can't back out now. And this is going to play on loop for the entire time I'm talking, so I apologize in advance. Um, But I think I've shared this at Spark before. Before I became Christian, I was on this multi-year sort of exploration of different faith traditions and world religions, trying to understand what language would resonate most with me and understanding who God was, but also my relationship with God. And at the end of that journey, before I ever opened a Bible, I think I was exhausted and jaded and sort of resigned to the idea that maybe a God exists, but the mechanics of how to get there or access that God didn't matter. And obviously, the Gospel accounts sort of changed all of that for me in a number of ways, but in slightly different ways. I think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke as sort of being the gateway Gospels for me, and then John as uh, really sealing the deal. And what I mean by that is that when I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke for the first time, it had a profound impact about how I thought about God and what God could be. I'd always thought of God as kind of this like distinct, um, uh, like distant unknowable essence. And uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke made God for me very knowable and personal. Uh, But I think it got me 70% of the way there in terms of saying there's something really cool going on here that I don't think I can back away from. But there was still this open question to the point Omer made of like, but what about this Jesus guy, right? Could he not just be a sage or a teacher or some like mystic who's channeling his experiences with God? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where John sort of changed everything for me. It was probably the answer that I was hoping deep inside I wouldn't find because I knew that at that point Mm it was game over. And when I read John for the first time, I have, like, two recollections. One, remembering that it was, like, one of the most stunning pieces of literature that I'd ever read. Like, it's truly amazing and beautiful. But then in, like, that first few lines, right, before we even go into the Jesus story, is a proclamation of who Jesus is, why he's divine, and the stakes involved with that. Um, So I think that was my initial takeaway. The only other point I'd add is I was also struck by verses 12 and 13, if you all have your virtual Bibles uh, with you, um, that really— i know i'm sure you all do where uh the writer talks about the inclusiveness of god's family and who belongs and i just remember even though i had already read matthew mark and luke being stunned by the inclusion of those words up front before we even get into the jesus story and i'm like all right Mm -hmm. my life's gonna change and this is it i i can't go back
0: that's amazing and then marcus
3: so i had a a different experience um like many people, I grew up in the United States kind of hearing, well, really it a, it's a Baptist tradition. My, my grandparents come from the south, east Texas, and, you know, grew up going to school a certain way. So I think I had to remember John 3.16, and which was easy because if you're of a certain age um, – We used to have sporting events, so you'd see like a Monday night football or like a random baseball game, someone having up John 316. So I think I was really young, and that kind of piqued my interest. And, you know, you go to church and things like that. And then I came to faith on my own uh, at 20, so kind of in those early college years. And I thought, okay, the thing I should do is read the Bible. So kind of reading it, reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it— I'm, i'll be the first to admit it was kind of redundant and a little boring <laughs> not not to say that like uh and, I, and i'm a competitive person so it was like i have to know this and yeah you know because i've got to defend my faith and then john it hit different you know it, it it was built different it was constructed different it's it's and it was really amazing it's kind of like the uh golden state warriors that little three lineup they have g- going on right now it's just it's just built different um <laughs> just hits different um there's a guy named Cable Steveson. I would all encourage you to check him out. He was an Olympic uh, freestyle wrestler, 120 kilograms. My sport was wrestling in college. And uh, <laughs> he is really a, he is a, he's a really big man that moves differently than other people. And like much like John, not to say that he's like the gospel of John, <laughs> but it's just you can see something that sticks out in such a way that even from the non-average person, like if you're not involved in the sport of basketball, you can look at the way the – Golden State Warriors 3, like, play, and you're like, whoa, like, this is highly entertaining. What am I watching? I'm engaged. Same thing with a guy like Gable Steveson. He's so entertaining that even if you don't know anything about amateur wrestling, you're like, this big body is moving another huge body around in such a way that you can't help but to be drawn in and be engaged. And I think that's the way John is as well, is like there's something about the way the writer writes it the way it's put together, the way the wording is, and, and the way Jesus starts to, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but he just draws you in that you have to get engaged and go like, whoa, who is this Jesus? Because it's so different hmm. from the synoptics or the, the similar gospels. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And Marcus, you also talked about how your engagement with John from the beginning was sort of like, We find out these, like, I am statements or these different characteristics of the gospel and feel like we have to defend them. But you have a different take on that from your impression.
3: Yes. Um, I think initially kind of coming from the evangelical culture, it was like, all right, apologetics. You have to defend the gospel or or you have to defend Jesus. But I think that the way Jesus starts, he kind of invites us into the story. So like I was saying before, because it's written in such a way— These I am statements are so drawing us into the person of Jesus. They draw us into why would Jesus say I am the bread of life? Why does he make these strong definitive statements about himself that diverge so, so much from just like just a good teacher? Again, you know, we can take truths from different philosophers and different um, different faith traditions. But then you have this person who says i am the bread of life before abraham was i am and it does something in such a way that these statements really make people feel some type of way you know like like wait why are they trying to like oh why are they trying to throw him off a cliff right now like what they grabbing stones for or you know it's so so again these i am statements these statements he makes about himself stand against the the government order at the time because again caesar Saw himself as a divine entity, and you got this shepherd. I mean, well, not shepherd, but you got this carpenter from Little Nazareth saying, uh, I'm that guy. Like, I'm that dude. Like, I am him, you know? So, um, because we've been taught to trad- uh, traditionally kind of defend it and say, these are these proof statements, you know, it, what if we weren't meant to just defend it and let Jesus kind of speak for himself? Let the text and these statements and Jesus draw us into the story. Of who he is.
0: And I grew up Lutheran uh, in Northern California. And so every single Sunday, we said the Apostles Creed. And it starts, in case you don't know it, is like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, is conceived under the power of the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin. So, I mean, like, it's just theology, like, shum, just theology, all that, right? Straight hey. So when I read John, I was like, oh, yeah, right? Like, nothing shocking here at all. In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and Word was God, and God was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made. Right, because I am Trinitarian. Like that was just built in early on as a Lutheran. I don't think I actually even knew the phrase John three sixteen. Like I did not know that. If I had seen it at a sporting event, it it read it it did not engage with me at all. But if you had said, "Is Jesus preexistent?" <laughs> and one with the Father, I'd be like, "Amen." Right. Like, so, but like, you know, I remember somebody like when I was in college going to In-N-Out in Southern California, and they were like, this place is owned by Christians, and you can read these little verses on the bottom of the cups and the wrappers and the things. And I was like, okay. And I had to look them up because I did not, I didn't, I was not exposed to the Gospel of John that way. It was more just like another wheel on the four-wheeled car that if you didn't have it, You could have those other three wheels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it would not drive, right? You need that fourth wheel, but it was also just important to have the others, too. Um, N.T. Wright has this beautiful quote about the Gospel of John in his book, John for Everyone, part one. And he says that this book is like a pool that's safe enough for a child to paddle in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. And I think that that has actually our experience, our collective experiences. Maybe we approached it as a child and it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got it. Trinity, move on, clear, m- I totally understand this. And then to in- encountering it for the first time as an adult or through encountering it from the first time on a sign or a in and out. So, or maybe right now is your first time encountering it and whatever wherever you're at in that process and however you might have approached John in the past or might approach John right now, we hope that you feel free to be safe in the pool and dog paddle or just swim deep with the elephants in that whole process. So before we begin, I just like to do a little pastoral note because I think a lot of us are still um, online and in the room here in the outdoor room, God's house. Um, Many of us are doing a thing that people like to talk about online a lot called deconstructing. And I'm deconstructing, they're deconstructing, we're deconstructing, or I have deconstructed my faith or I'm in the process of and all of those kinds of things. And sometimes when you're in that process of deconstructing, um, which is just question asking and trying to think through, it can feel very frightening. Now you can look at your like um, fixer upper house and go oh my goodness i've torn the place to shreds i've trashed the house i didn't like any of the pictures of the art that was up on the wall and i'm in this space um, that i'm i'm kind of feeling a little bit i don't want to be in anymore but i don't know where to go and then sometimes we're in right in the middle of it so i've cleaned out the garbage and i'm in the process but it still doesn't have any cabinetry up i still can't really live in it We're hoping that through our joint collective study and wrestling and question asking in the Gospel of John, that we will move from a before and after, like, you know, nice remodeling kind of, uh, is it TLC? What are the shows that do that? I don't. I don't have.
1: There are like 40 of them. There are 10 channels. I
0: don't, thank you. I don't, I don't have channels at my house. So I only see what I try to find. (laughs) Um, So we have this before and after, right? And you can feel like, you know, you don't want to, nobody wants to stay in the trashed house. And it's really hard to stay in a house that is not fully built because you need water and you need food and all that stuff. And I'm hoping that by the end, We might not be, um, we can still, if deconstructing is important to you, it's totally fine. I like the term remodeling. I don't have to tear everything down. um, But sometimes I can look at that and say, I don't, I don't like that anymore. Like I, my house needs to be bigger now. It needs to be shaped differently for the life that I'm in. And I'm going to do some remodeling, but I don't have to sell everything and move. Um, Or, or maybe I do. And all of that's welcome at Spark. So the way I like to think about it is that we're going to build some shelves. And as we build those shelves, um, you then, as you read through John or read anything else or encounter things in life, you'll have a place to put that book, to put that bit of information. And when I was looking for a picture of shelves, there was like a um, DIY said, how to build stronger sag proof shelves. And I think that this is important. Um, One of the things we try to do at Spark is try to re-examine again and again and again, our assumptions regarding the text, our assumptions regarding Jesus, because we know that God is so much bigger than mm-hmm. our understanding. We, As Paul says, we see through a glass dimly and darkly, um, but we also know that there are things that we can know, and the Gospel of John actually pushes on this quite a bit. Like, you kind of can't just walk around and say, well, we'll see, maybe he's this or this. It starts right at the very beginning in the verses Omer read, in the beginning was the word, and it And that's a pretty incredible thing. So really just quickly, here's some shelves building. Who wrote this gospel?
1: Yeah, so the, I think this is a, a good place to start in that uh, it speaks to uh, how difficult uh, simple questions to the Gospel of John can be. Um, there are a lot of different ideas put forward. You probably, the one you're most familiar with is that John the Apostle, um, the one who spent time with Jesus during his life, is the one who wrote the Gospel of John. Um, if you look into that with Any level uh, of effort then you realize it's far less clear that that's the case there uh, there are other challenges too because there is the Gospel of John and there are other books in the New Testament for second and third John there's Revelation and basically uh, each one of those books Sometimes people wonder if they were all written by the same person, or each one written by different people, or any combination thereof. uh, In between all of those, and there are different names for some of the other writers, like oh John the Elder, John of Patmos. There's John the Apostle, Rando John, John Lennon. uh, Yeah, like you just you put them forward. And really, they like because part of it is like, well, there were a lot of Johns back then. Scholars will say that maybe it's one of these that we don't we don't even know. And um, and part of the an underlying thread to this too that you'll see uh, throughout reading the Gospel of John is this this figure, the beloved disciple, uh, that occurs uh, throughout the gospel and, and the testimony of the gospel is really framed through that person. And again, there are questions. Well, is that, is the beloved disciple the one who wrote the whole thing? Is there another editor who's taking the beloved disciple story and putting it together? Is, can you just say John the Apostle is the beloved disciple A, and so on? Lazarus. Yeah, That's my, my personal, I'm like, hey, look, if we're all going to speculate, then I think the best case <laughs> is that the beloved disciple is Lazarus and um, they I think that accounts for a lot of the um, some of the strange details uh, about that disciple one of which being towards the end of the Gospel of John there is a debate among the disciples about like there's a legend growing that the beloved disciple might live forever and Jesus is like look what's it to you and who, who could you develop a legend about that around other than perhaps someone who came back from the dead <laughs> so either way this just speaks to like this uh, scholarship is varied in trying to understand what's going on there but then ultimately though the, um, the, th- knowing exactly who wrote it is not uh, it's not going to make or break the value that you get out of the gospel of John the way we were talking about it is that the, it's the testimony and to your point about the I am statements the stories speak for themselves right and that that's what we have to grapple with
0: In um, Anchor Bible Dictionary, when you look up authorship of John, it says, amongst other things, this, the authorship of the gospel is not easy to determine. Many are willing to simply plead ignorance on this question and confess that there is too little data upon which to build a viable thesis. And that conclusion proves to be the most prudent. Honesty dictates that the identity of this mysterious figure must remain unknown and that speculations are finally fruitless. So, just, you know, full confidence. So, when you open up your study Bible, like when I open up my NIV study Bible, it's like authorship, John. It just tell it doesn't. It doesn't add any of the like. Well, maybe and it could be and we don't know and maybe there's this and that and then you go to the scholars and they're like we don't know and even they were doing a whole like he slash she and I'm like oh who would the she be and then people are like well, it's Mary Magdalene I'm like no she's already at the tomb and then referring it's like all oh, it gets complicated. So here's the thing, it's a really good book and we should read it and study it and whoever wrote it thank you thank you Jesus right thank you for writing that. Uh, the next question that we wrestle with is when was this gospel written? And people, again, like to have a very date. Some people will date it very early, like it was written in 40 CE. And other people will say, no, no, it was written as late as 110 CE. And textual finds make it undeniable. They found manuscripts of the gospel of John in Egypt, and those were circulating in the second century. So no one can have a date later than 100 to 110 CE. It's definitely not later than that. It's definitely earlier. And most people would rec- would sort of land between either 80 to 85 or 90 to 95. That's where most scholars hang out. So that's about the time when it was written. And now you can kind of think about all of the other things that had happened prior to that time or within that time. Like The falling of the temple in 70 CE, the destruction of the temple in in Jerusalem. So different things that might be informing the gospel writer, whoever they may be, um, the gospel writer's world that they're in. And to whom was the gospel written? Well, it was written. It was written about events that happened in Israel, in the Levant, in Judea, in Galilee. It was about the events in the life of Jesus in that space. But it was written to whoever would read it which included then Jews, Greeks, Romans, and anybody else, Ethiopians, everybody who wanted to read this text in that ancient Near Eastern world sort of surrounding the Mediterranean. Now, if we go to the traditional view, which is that the Gospel of John was written by a, a person named John, um, who also wrote, then of course one, two, and three John, and was also John the Revelator, and that John was just really, really young, and that's how he could live really, really old to write all of those books and be, and and also that's why he was like snuggly with Jesus um, at the at the Passover meal, right? Because and why
1: he could run so fast? And why he could run to, so fast? To right? Yeah.
0: Super fit. Um, so in all of that, warriors right? fit, right? Warriors fit, yeah, and then could live super long to see all of the events that were going to happen. Revelation write about those which are definitely set in particular time and space um, in spite of the left behind series Um, so just uh, don't read those Um, but in that then you are dealing and responding to all of the pressures and the Judaism's plural that existed in that time Okay, Um, all kind of like thinking about is there one single uniform Christian experience in America? No, there is not. And if you were trying to write to Christians in our world today, you knew that the message was going to go out to lots of different places and people would read it through those different frameworks. That being said, as we've already mentioned, when you read the Gospel of John, I think immediately you're like, one of these things is not like the other, right? (laughs) And so we're gonna have Sydney uh, sort of talk a little bit about how the Gospel of John is distinct. But when I, just as an example, I was going, I think, I'm like, I think people have handed me pockets, pocket text of the Gospel of John. I don't know if you ever say it like, I remember one Halloween, somebody was like trying so hard and, um, the streets were just littered with Gideon New Testaments with like the I was like that those kids want candy, and you're not gonna help but they and handing them out like these little pockets of <laughs> pocket of John things it's not. There we go. Okay, so when I searched, I could find, you know, little pocket guides to the Gospel of John. And I was like, well, I wonder if they do that for the others. And no, for Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is zero search results. Nobody ever makes a pocket version of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Like, those dudes do not make the cut. John is the only one that gets to become pocket-sized and carry around. And that's
2: kind of weird, right? So Sydney's going to help us sort of understand the distinctive of John with the others. I first want to say that I appreciate how much that Sesame Street reference was as applicable to your childhood as it is to mine. So that was great. Uh, Are
0: you suggesting there's an age gap here?
2: Not at all. Um, But like Pastor Danielle said, we often talk about Matthew, Mark, and Luke here and John here, right? And so let's dig into why that is. We often talk about the former three gospel accounts as the synoptics. And the word synoptic comes from the root synopticos, which means to see as a whole or to see with one eye. And that's also where the word synopsis comes from right? And the reason why we use that word to describe Matthew, Mark and Luke in particular is because those three gospel accounts strongly parallel each other in content, in arrangement, um, in specific language and I also think in overall intention, right? Where obviously there are key distinctions between the three gospel accounts. They were written uh, for slightly different audiences. They're emphasizing slightly different points about Jesus's ministry and uh, you know why the kingdom of God matters. But in aggregate there's a significant amount of shared material between those three accounts. The other thing is that there's also uh, a degree of interdependence between these three accounts, right? And if you're really wanting to go into this rabbit hole, you can Google something called the synoptic problem uh, to dive into the scholarly debate that people have about the specific relationship between Matthew, Mark and Luke, which one came first, what was the original source material, all that fun stuff. Um, But on all of those dimensions that uh, I just spoke about, John is very distinct, right? It's distinct in content. It's distinct in writing style. It's distinct in what it considers to be the period of time that Jesus's ministry happened in. But I think most importantly it's distinct in its intention. So while the synoptics are very focused on telling us all about um, the kingdom of God and uh, what the kingdom of God on earth looks like, John isn't really concerned with the kingdom of God. John is concerned with Jesus's divinity. So there are kind of these classic story plot points that we don't find in John that we find in the synoptics, right? We don't have a Jesus birth story or a baptism. We don't have Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. Uh, we don't have a record uh, in John of Jesus's institution of the Last Supper in the way that we see it in the other gospel accounts. What we do have, though, is pages and pages and pages. And again, if you look at your live Bible, it's all in red of just Jesus talking about himself, of theologically heavy monologues that tell us all about who Jesus is, his divinity and why it matters. Right. Um, I think that there's a quote that some scholars use that I found really helpful, which is that in John, the proclaimer becomes the proclaimed, right? So the person announcing the kingdom of God in the synoptics uh, becomes the key subject uh, of John in many ways. And uh, so that was a helpful way of framing it for me
1: so i i think um in the next section that we're going to talk through we'll we'll get through the like those opening verses and what the big takeaway should be to help us have the right frame of mind moving forward the uh one of the big concepts that comes up almost immediately is this idea of logos so that's the greek word for word uh, when we talk about the word of god in the beginning was the word And um, there is, uh, I think, in trying to dissect what those very dense phrases could mean, people and scholars for a long time, took an approach where, um, one, you just try to think of like, well, what, what does the word word mean in English? And start there, trying to piece that together. And then there's another very common approach, which is to say, well, in, the, in, the, in Greek philosophy, like in the Greco-Roman world, what was their conception of the word? And so there are all these discussions around, well, well the, the word was this concept in Greek philosophy through which you could like understand all that is like rational and coherent and true in the world, and there's a lot a lot of pages that, that you can write about that. My reaction to a lot of that uh, reading through that was like, oh, g- cool. But like the <laughs> the the thing is, I think what that perspective misses uh, is also the same thing that can happen uh, if you make the mistake that um, Danielle was trying to have us avoid earlier to point out that there is a Jewish and Greco-Roman audience to the gospel the when uh, when the initial readers would have heard word of god and the, in the beginning was the word that would have had unmistakable jewish resonances to them this is a common thing that we've talked about as spark where you will see phrases like for example son of man we've talked about this before where you would think oh like what what does that phrase mean and then you could like use english or even greek and then you would realize like this is a word that jewish people used for centuries before (laughs) jesus that had meaning that came with it and that's clearly what's happening here so when you see this uh when you see these opening lines there is an explicit callback To Genesis. And that's, I think, one of the things that we're going to focus on for the rest of our time. And um, so this was our our text that, that we were going through at the beginning. And then if you go to the next one, you can actually see... In parallel, there's, these are the opening verses of Genesis and the opening verses of the Gospel of John next to each other. And there are these, you can see the, the parallels. They are striking. You start with literally the, the same words in the beginning. Um, in John, the, the word is the mechanism through which God creates everything. And that's true in Genesis as well. God speaks, and that is how things come into being. And there is light and the light shines through the darkness. These are these are important parallels that, that start to get you in in the gospel. John, you're like, okay, there's an epic backstory to Jesus that we have to begin with if we want to understand what's going on.
2: Yeah, and I was just going to add to that and say that N.T. Wright uh, talks about John as rewriting or retelling the Genesis story in some ways. And you know, even just a few weeks ago when we were doing our John 1 Bible study, I was struck that whenever I revisit John, the parallels between Genesis just become even more deep and powerful. Like, it's astounding how much there is there. So just two examples that popped up in our study was that if you look at the climax of Genesis 1, it's the arrival of human beings. And then if you look at the climax of John 1, it's the arrival of Jesus in the form of a human on Earth. I, think, I thought another fun one was that if you look at the creation process in Genesis as the cosmic temple in which God dwells, you then look at John and you realize that uh, God arriving on earth and tabernacling amongst us is sort of very similar temple building language, right? And so again, these are just like a couple things from the first few phrases of John's prologue. Um, if you really dig into it, it is incredible how many resonances there are between the two books.
3: Yeah. It, it's, it, it was interesting because like I think that when we draw these, these parallels, they're there, and yet the text kind of pushes us because it's a little bit more. Than right. just just that, and so it's just it's one of those kind of like we see the parallels and and I think a lot of people spend their time there and yet as we continue to read it goes so much more beyond just setting up like uh kind of a like a, our uh, Judeo Christian kind of foundation and so it was just one of those things that kind of sticks out as 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 we continue to read the text and in the person of who Jesus is in in relation to the, um, his earthly, his, his time on earth.
0: Right. I think that when you start to read this and you just hear those first words in the beginning, no Bible reader can see that phrase and not immediately think of Genesis and growing up that was as i mentioned that was immediately my first thought was oh this is about this is about genesis and i know that story and if you actually even think about what's the first thing god creates in genesis light the first thing that god and how does god create it you guys how does god create it god speaks So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing has been made that is made. Like, I mean, it's just, and He is the light of the world, and I mean, it's just incredible, and you're like, oh my goodness, it feels like um, wave after wave after wave that you can't quite come out, whenever I read it, I'm like, it's Genesis, it's Genesis, it's Genesis, it's amazing, like, God's retelling God's story, and all of those, like, lights are going off on the dashboard. And when several years ago, Kevin and I joint preached a message called Words Create Worlds. And it's taken from a ubiquitous phrase that is attributed to lots of different people, including Lawrence, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, philosopher and, and others. But it's from Genesis. It's because God creates the world with God's words. And so when we hear right at this beginning, in the beginning was the word. You're like, yeah, that was the thing that did it. That was the thing that pushed and started this whole creative beautiful process that was the thing that brought light into the world and if you really want to get geeking study genesis this is how stark sparked stark sparted got that spark started almost 10 years ago now in the fall was just with genesis and one of the reasons we're called spark is because we want to be part of that light that very first thing that god created we want to shine that light But when John starts to do this and echoing this Genesis, we just want you to know this is not an abstract word. This word has now become flesh. It is incarnate. So while we don't have a birth narrative for Jesus and John, this actually explains Explains the birth narrative every other place like you guys can all have all the arguments you want about how Jesus got here and 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 how it happened and how Mary participated or didn't and all the things that you want to discuss all of those things. okay? but John is just letting you know that whatever you think about how it happened, the word became flesh and has dwelt among us has walked among us. This is how John starts. And this word has created everything we see. Mm-hmm. And without him, nothing has been made. And John wants to introduce us to him. N.T. writes says this, whatever else John is going to tell us, he wants us to see his book as the story of God and the world, not just the story of one character in one place and one time. This book is about the creator God acting in a new way within the much beloved creation. And Pastor Marcus, you want to read our last, this is what we really think John is doing, right?
3: Oh, yes. Uh, John is announcing the identity of Jesus and Jesus's place in the divine plan. The reader thus knows from the first lines of the first chapter the question which the entire gospel seeks to answer. Who is this man, Jesus? And then um, (laughs) it's quite yeah then the answer is this these are written so that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name and again this is going back to like that again drawing us in and the conclusion hopefully we could kind of come to or at least walk away with jesus was a different kind (laughs) of (laughs) guy (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. This is the entire gospel of John. Who is Jesus? What do you believe about him? Who do you know him to be? How does Jesus be- love and act and, and claim to be and shepherd and move within this world? And why are we to know this? This whole book, this go- book of John is written that we might believe. This is, these are shelves that the gospel writer of John is building. They're, this writer is building these shelves exactly for this purpose. And now, Pastor Marcus, oh, you're going right. to help yes. us lead into a time, yeah?
3: You know, a big portion of the uh, latter part of John is spent in that kind of, well, actually it is that Last Supper, that from John, really John 13 on, and that's where we get a meat of who Jesus is, who he proclaims to be, and this that last little message of with the disciples. So with that being said, we will follow in the tradition, and we will uh, participate in communion. So... Uh, For in the night which uh, he was betrayed Our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it And gave it to his disciples saying Take, eat, this is my body given for you Do this in remembrance of me Likewise, after supper he took a cup Gave thanks and gave it to them saying Drink this, all of you This is my blood of the new covenant Which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me all are welcome at this table as we celebrate communion